Welcome one and all to episode 189 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox, with me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, you are, well, kind of moved into your new place, so congratulations on that. That's exciting for you, man. But outside of that, uh, not a whole lot going on in the college football world, but we, uh, we're back to give you guys another episode of the uh, the show. Yeah, thanks. And as usual, um, uh, we're going to have uh, probably more stuff throughout this month that just goes straight onto our Patreon site. So if you haven't subscribed, I encourage you to subscribe to our Patreon. It's uh, two bucks a month for the uh, elite tier and then four bucks a month for generational. The generational gets you all of our content. The elite tier gets you all of our bonus episodes plus... Here and there, we sprinkle in some other extra content for the for that tier. So um, it's a good time to subscribe right now um, because we're doing team previews. Uh, our last couple of episodes that we've done were straight to Patreon. So I think our last three, actually, Seth. So, um, yeah, but we, we're throwing some stuff out there. And we're going to talk about some NFL draft prospects tonight that are playing at a new site this uh, coming fall. So I think this this is always one of my favorite things to talk about. I, I actually love the transfer portal. I know some people have varying opinions on that, but uh, I think it gives uh, guys a lot of new opportunities. And I like that because a lot of guys commit early on. They're, they're high recruits or they're not high recruits, but they achieve a certain level of success at a certain school and then, they're able to move more freely now to go and get some playing time. And we saw this really, it, it, this wasn't a transfer portal thing, but uh, Joe Burrow transferred under the old grad transfer system, which is still in effect, I believe. But um, we saw what happened with him. He went from being from losing the quarterback competition at Ohio State to being the number one overall pick and winning a national championship and a Heisman and all of that stuff. So, uh, I love this, I, and I like talking about these transfers. It's exciting for the kids. It's exciting for for us as draft next. Yeah, and I, um, you know the way I looked at this show was you are moving, so you just want to talk about everybody else that's moving as well. So I mean, that's perfect to get into. <laughs> totally unintentional, but that <laughs> that is funny how it worked out. Like I'm transferring actually to exactly the same neighborhood that I've been living in, just to a different part of it. Uh, but a lot of these guys are moving quite a distance. Yeah, and it starts with uh, a guy that's getting talked about at the at the uh, <clears throat> Senior Bowl, and that's, you know, last year it was Bo Nix. He decided not to uh, enter the draft after really putting up what can only be described as his best season. Um, yeah. You know, kind of cementing himself as a as a Heisman contender and then and then probably the top returning um senior quarterback at least one of the top returning seniors and and what's interesting about this is uh there were only two quarterbacks invited to the senior bowl last year that turned it down because they came back to school Nick's had a great season but this other guy we're going to talk about, pretty mediocre, right? 
Yeah, and it is uh, Keaton Slovis of now BYU. He's on his third team in in three seasons. Obviously, he had the breakout freshman season in 2019 at at USC, 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, nine interceptions, over 71% completion percentage, just uh, literally a hair under 72%. Interestingly enough, right, he came in because of an injury to JT Daniels, who's another guy who's double transferred. And then he followed it up with what I would say is a respectable sophomore year. Um, COVID 2020 year, he finished with 67% completion percentage, over 1,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions in six games. Um, And then the wheels fell off in in 21 um, and then Lincoln Riley took over. So he transferred out to Pitt and there were some conversations if he could replicate under Narduzzi what Kenny Pickett did because he had already had a better season than any season Pickett had had. That's a great Uh, point. Yeah, great point. And, and it just it didn't come to fruition. He no. really I don't want to say he struggled. He just is was very average in everything he did. I think he uh, did struggle. I mean, but he didn't have Jordan Addison. You know, Kenny Pickett had a great receiver, a Bolitnikoff winner. And um and I think with Pitt, they became more centered on the run game, right? With Israel Bonaconda. Yeah. And and now he's at BYU. Um, it's going to be interesting because BYU and that offense has been able, obviously, to give guys a little bit of a boost. Um, yeah. Obviously, most notable Zach Wilson. Uh, but <laughs> unbelievably, right? To to propel him into a number two overall pick ahead of a guy like Justin Fields. And, um, you know, last year, Jaron Hall had a great year. And he I was going to say, Jaron Hall had back-to-back really good seasons. You right, know, he, I skipped he, the year there. Yeah, he, you're right. He followed up uh, Wilson's 2020 season with his first year as, like, the guy, the starter, and threw for 2,500 yards. 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. He backed that up with his, you know, six senior season, um, 66% completion percentage over 3,100 yards, 31 touchdowns, six interceptions, added 350 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns. He had a receiving touchdown last year. I mean, this was just a guy that did a little bit of everything. Um, now, Slovis is closer to Wilson from a quarterbacking standpoint in terms of skill set. He's not the athlete that Jaron Hall is, uh, but I would also say that he's not even probably the athlete that Zach Wilson is. I would agree with that. I I don't think he is. Um, however, and he's he's kind of they're all kind of the same size, right? They're give or take, right? We're splitting hairs if we're, you know, Slovis isn't a big guy. He's not like this big cannon uh, armed quarterback like a Justin Herbert or anything like that. But um, I think this is actually a really good, I think this is a, a good fit 
a good transfer move. Um, there was definitely an opening for the starting quarterback position, and he he comes into a program. It's an independent. This is, but this is, um, I would say this is his second step down, right? And we usually like to talk about transfer guys that step up in competition level, but he's going from USC in the Pac-12 to uh, Pitt in the ACC, which is at, at best a lateral move, right? And now he's going to an independent school. And this isn't BYU of 2020, which kind of got to make its own schedule, right? But there, it's it's an independent schedule. So um, th- the spotlight's on him, but it's to me it was noteworthy that he received a Senior Bowl invite just as Bo Nix did, even after a, a, a season where he threw 10 touchdowns and nine picks. Not a great season at all. But uh, he's firmly on their radar, so that's why it's noteworthy. He's got an opportunity to really step it up and get back to where he was as a freshman. And I've got a hot take at the end of this regarding uh, regarding Slovis. Um, and, and his potential heading out of next year. So we'll come back to that at the end to end things up. Let's talk about the rest of the draft-eligible players finding new homes. And, and this isn't everybody, obviously, but these are names that have already had some positive or negative um, impact in the college football world. Uh, so, so their transfer could have you know some effects. First up, Sam Hartman. Uh, going from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. Um, I continue to be baffled that Notre Dame has good recruiting classes by the recruiting sites every year, but they can't recruit a single quarterback worth a damn. Like, Well, they had Tyler Buckner, who was a highly touted recruit, but he didn't fare too well. And they brought in Sam Hartman. And I know I you know as as our listeners know I live in the Chicagoland area. There's a ton of Notre Dame fans here, and people I talk to, they know that uh, Sam Hartman was coming in, brought in to start at quarterback. So Buckner transfers, and he's going to Alabama, where he's probably well. He has a great chance to start there for Alabama because. Uh, he's going to compete there with Jalen Mil- uh, Milrow. Is that the name? Yeah. Um, the guy who uh, stepped in when Bryce Young was out. So it's this is a really interesting one. Uh, Hartman, he's put up some numbers at Wake, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at his last three years at Wake. Um, you know, he he finished last year missing. I think he missed what two games. He missed the first couple of games because he had a health scare. He had some blood clot issues. And and, uh, and he still threw 38 touchdowns to only 12 interceptions, which was just off the pace last year when he threw, or the year before, when he threw 39 touchdowns in 14 games. But you even go back to that 2020 season, he threw 13 touchdowns to only five interceptions. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's improved steadily every single season, something we talk about a lot, right? Like yeah. 58% to 59% to 63% completion percentage. Yeah, last year was his first year going over 60%, which is noteworthy. 
Um, but it also tells you that Wake was throwing a lot of downfield passes in that offense. Right. There was wasn't a say, lot of dink and dunk. I was going to say yards per attempt, 8.1, 8.3 to 8.6. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I'll give him credit. He's a small guy. 6'1", 208 is what he's listed at. Um, but uh, he's he's throwing the ball downfield, which is more challenging. There's not a lot of stat padding going on. And so now he gets the chance to run it for Notre Dame. Um, you know, this is probably the best quarterback that they've had come out or there in a while. You mentioned Tyler Buckner. I mean, the guys that they've brought in the last several years just, I mean, haven't panned out. They had Jack uh, Cohn a couple of years ago who had a good season for them after, um, you know, being a middling quarterback at Wisconsin, but certainly not a guy anybody – touted highly at the NFL level. Uh, Hartman's probably the best guy that they've had in the last four or five years, right? Right. And, you know, they had, um, I, I mean, these recruits, they had a four-star recruit, Steve Agnelli in 2022, obviously hasn't lived up to the height. You mentioned uh, Buckner out of out of La Mesa, California. Um, you know, he he had the chance, never lived up to the hype. They had a, a legacy in Ron Paulus the third that was there. Obviously, didn't make it. I mean, so neither like did s- Ron Paulus the second. Right, <laughs> but <laughs> you look at you look at things. I mean, they just haven't been able to get a guy, and so it almost seems like for them getting um, getting a Hartman, like you said, or like Jack Cohn a couple of years ago. Was, is kind of where they have to lean at this point because they just can't get a guy um, that is developing for some reason. And and it'll be it'll be more interesting to see if Buckner does anything at Bama because then it probably will be an indictment of Notre Dame's developmental aspect of things, right? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, I think uh, Tommy Reese went to Alabama, right? And so Buckner goes with him. Um, and, and I was going to ask you, do you think it's a part of it is uh, they've hired a defensive head coach in Marcus Freeman. I think that makes recruiting a little bit tougher. We've talked about this with Oklahoma. Once uh, Lincoln Riley went to USC uh, and, they, and they've hired uh, Brett Venables and he's a defensive minded coach. Is that kind of the same thing that's going to happen with with Notre Dame and it's uh, I believe in in my mind it becomes a challenge to recruit until you have proven with a track record that you can put quarterbacks in this in a position to succeed and become high draft picks we know Ohio State has done that even though there's a stigma about their pro success the Ohio State quarterbacks can continue to get drafted highly because they have success at the college level and uh we saw that for for a period of time with the Clemson quarterbacks as well. So I wonder, you know, this this is kind of a litmus test, right? Hartman goes from he's thrown uh, over he's thrown almost eighty touchdowns in two years at Wake Forest. Now he's going to I think what is a more challenging school, a more challenging schedule, and what's he going to do there? But we saw Cone go from Wisconsin, which is a strong football program. And go to Notre Dame and, and and put up bit better numbers there. So I think Hartman's in a good position here. 
Fintrell Cypress is a cornerback. He's part of a group that has a lot of people really intrigued by Florida State's opportunity uh, this season. Transferring from Virginia to Florida State. So, Seth, we could have done a whole show about guys that transferred to Florida State. Honestly. Yeah, they're, they're really being hyped up this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, to to disappoint everybody, especially our, <laughs> our, our good friend Kyle Posey. So, I mean, but Norvell has been pulling some names into that program. Cypress comes off a massive season. Uh, you know, the, the six foot, uh, 180 pound corner was, had a, had a nice 2021. He finished, you know, with, with an interception, 17 total tackles. He was clearly a bit player for Virginia last season in only nine games. He finished with 39 tackles, but, 14 passes defensed in nine games. Um, you know, we don't, like we always say with first years, we kind of throw those out. We don't really focus on those unless we can go in and find the breakdown of how many actual snaps they played um, on defense as opposed to just in the game when they're probably playing gunners and things like that. Right. And we're doing uh, summer scouting here. So a lot of this is, you know, um, it's going to be part of my investigation is why do you only play nine games? Right. Right. I think it was banged up. And so you look at that. I mean, just, uh, this is just like, you know, we're joking around a little bit, but like, this is part of the reason that everybody really loves Florida state in the ACC because they're bringing in guys. They return, um, Travis Jordan, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of intrigue for team. Jordan Travis, Jordan Travis, the quarterback. Yeah. And both their running backs, right? Right. That finished 11th in the AP last year. And they have a six foot seven receiver. They've brought in Cypress as well as a couple of defensive players. And I think an offensive lineman. And uh, this is an intriguing team. It's going to, and and what it tells me too, because Cypress is coming, he's ACC to ACC transfer. He's going from UVA to FSU. Um, and Virginia has, you know, strong coaching staff, right? But people are buying into Mike Norvell, at least like these uh, these players that, you know, have an NFL potential. And I think this is one of the biggest transfers that we have. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, they were four and three. They had the big win over LSU uh, to start, um, technically to start the regular season. I know they beat Duquesne in week zero, but nobody counts that. Um, But they were four and three or, you know, four and oh, then they lost three in a row. And everybody was really questioning Norvell because those three losses came to Wake Forest in, in, I in one of Hartman's first games back, North Carolina State in a really close game, and then Clemson in a really close game. But their final uh, seven games or six games of the season, they averaged over 42 points a game. And you think about their standpoint as a, with, the, with the relatively new coaching staff and stuff like that, um, those aren't terrible losses. Those are pretty good programs that they, that they lost to. And and like you said, they were close games and um, they, you know, sorry, 
to our producer Rob, but they they won the Cheese Bowl, right? Yeah, against Oklahoma. Yeah. So um, they've got this program has momentum, and that's why I think what we're going to see is, and and we'll probably write about this or or talk about it on Patreon, but FSU is a team that's getting hype in the preseason top twenty fives, and uh, they've got quite a few good prospects, and Cypress is definitely one of them. He ran a four five one with 37 inch vertical out of high school at, you know, about 10 pounds less than what he weighs now. Uh, like Seth said, he's a, he's a taller, but skinny corner, but we've seen that trend in corners and receivers over the past, like four or five draft cycles. So teams aren't too concerned. We saw Manuel Forbes, 166 pounds go in the first round and we liked him. We loved him. Like he was one of our top guys. So uh, Cypress has a, a real opportunity here to, and Forbes ran like a four seven in high school and ran a, f- a sub four four at the combine. So watch out for this guy's testing. That thirty seven inch vertical that indicates some serious lower body strength. The other thing is we're going to find out really quick on Florida State because they play uh, LSU again in the Camping World Stadium game at, in Orlando, Florida. Technically a neutral site, but, you know, it's in Orlando. And then they play Clemson in week four. So within the first four weeks, they play two top ten teams, preseason top ten teams. We'll know if they're for real or not right away. And, I mean, and Camping World Stadium is one of my homes away from home. I've been to uh, – that's one of the places I go to see live games every year. Another ACC move, but this time to the SEC, and I don't know what to make of this because this guy stunk out loud last year. He was hurt. He also stunk out loud when he played. (laughs) And then after coming off a season that people were putting him in the top uh, 100 draft picks heading into the, you know, 20. 22 uh, college season and the 2023 NFL draft. Devin Leary goes from North Carolina State to Kentucky. Um, you know, like I said, coming off a, a really nice season in 21 where he threw for 3,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, only five interceptions. Like Jay said, he was injured, but he 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 struggled at times last year. Yeah, there's completion. No he only played six games, though. Yeah, completion percentage dropped to sixty one percent from sixty five percent. Touchdowns dropped from thirty five to eleven. Interceptions were at four. He threw only five in twelve games. He threw four in six games, um, and his yards per attempt went down from eight to six point six. He just became a guy that it looked like there was no. And I I get losing a top five player in Iki Iquanu makes a huge difference, but like, does it make that much of a difference? Uh, Apparently <laughs> it's, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because I'm not high on him as a prospect. He, to me, he's, he's another small quarterback with, you know, he's got an okay arm. Um, I've seen some, some people say he's got a great arm, but he, he really doesn't. He has an okay arm. For a guy his size, he has a good arm. But um, he's not super athletic uh, in terms of mobility or anything like that. But what's interesting here is that he goes to Kentucky. We just saw Will Levis leave. 
Levis was a top 35 pick in the draft, and, and many people were projecting him much higher. As, as Seth and I have talked about, we didn't. We thought he went more in the range of where we graded him as a prospect. But the thing about Levis is most people will say he had a better year in uh, 2021 than in 2022 with the offensive coordinator that's now coming back to Kentucky and will be the coordinator for, for Leary. So what I like about this move is Leary's taking a step up in competition. He's going from NC State to Kentucky. He's going to face tougher competition. He's, he's Right now, he's one of those guys where he's had one really good season, one tough season where he was banged up, and now he has a chance for redemption. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Kentucky's offense functions with their old offensive coordinator, with this new quarterback. And, and we'll see how much of a difference this offensive coordinator makes. You and I were skeptical, right, about how much of a difference the change in offensive coordinator made for Levis because we didn't see that much of a difference. But other scouts did. Other draft Knicks did. So let's see how this goes. It is definitely going to be a conversation piece throughout the season. A U of A player is moving to USC. Dorian Singer, who we've discussed um, on a couple of our episodes, including bonus episode 102, for those of you keeping track. And for uh, those of you who think may think uh, U of A is Auburn or something like that, it's, we're talking about Arizona. So it's oh, a Pac-12, yeah. Pac-12 transfer. Yeah, and Singer went from uh, 66 receptions and 1,100 yards and six touchdowns last year to USC. Um, again, freshman year, 18 catches, 301 yards. Not bad, actually, in only five games. Not I mean, bad at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, averaging 16.7 yards per reception. Both There's seasons. high hopes for this guy. High uh, hopes. Now the question becomes, does he become a top 100 prospect? You know, if he if he continues that trend upward, I mean, where, first off, where is he going to fit in, in the USC hierarchy uh, depth chart wise, right? Because this is a team that under Lincoln Riley has done a really nice job of, of grabbing, young receivers, but it feels like he's slotted in to be their one of their starters along with two other transfers, right? Well, they've got uh, Brendan Rice, right? And uh, they lose Addison. So I'm kind of looking at Singer as being a top two receiver on this team. Yeah, and so... They recruited him hard. Right, Brendan Rice. This guy could have gone to a, a, a bunch of different schools. He's similar to Addison, not as, not quite on the same level. But he's similar to Addison, and Addison came in. He definitely saw a huge dip in production from Pitt, where he was the Bolitnikoff winner as a sophomore, to USC. But he still goes 23rd overall in the draft. So I'm looking at Singer as, I'm not saying he's a potential first-round pick, but I think he's a potential top 50 pick. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if he continues that upward trend because he did play very well last year. Uh with a lower tier quarterback in, in um, J, uh, Deloro, right? Deloro, yeah. Jaden, is it Jaden Deloro? I, I think it's Jaden. 
Jaden or Jacob? Yeah, I know it's Jay Deloro. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but yeah, you're talking about now you're going to uh, Caleb Williams. And this is a player who most people at this point think is quarterback one, if not number one overall potential. Right. Right. I mean, it's kind of between Caleb Williams and, and Drake May. Most people will say as, as far as who's going to be the top pick. And many, many people are already saying uh, Williams, of course, the Heisman winner last year. And many people are, are saying he's the top prospect. And they're, they're, they're already talking about teams tanking to have an opportunity to take this quarterback. I love this move. Singer goes from a lower end uh, Pac-12 program to the top Pac-12 program, soon to be Big Ten program. Where they'll be like fourth. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not John, joking about that either. No, you're not. Uh, a Johnny Cornelius is an offensive tackle that's going from uh, Rhode He's Island. From Rhode Island. To Oregon, which yeah. is. This is the moves that we love. Uh, we talked about it with Zion Johnson a couple years ago when he went from Davidson to Davidson BC, right? To BC, yeah. And and you know these are the moves that when they go and they play at that level, and then they play well at that level. That that's those are guys that we immediately gravitate towards. Especially, I mean, it doesn't matter position wise, but especially on the offensive line, you know, if they're dominating at Davidson or URI. Um, and then they struggle at BC or Oregon. Then you're like, eh, you know, obviously it was too much of a step up. But if they if they dominate and then they're that good again, you're like, oh, this is a kid that can play. Uh, Cornelius is a guy that could be able to do that. They list him at six five three ten. Obviously, we're very always a little skeptical uh, about these things. But I would get out in front of that statement <laughs> by saying that he might be a guard at the NFL right. level. Yeah. And but he does have 22 starts at the right tackle position in two seasons at URI. He was a unrated recruit and now is a four-star transfer prospect in the portal. And uh, Seth, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were big-time programs after him, not just Oregon, but weren't um weren't the big dogs like Ohio State and Bama, weren't they at least sniffing around Cornelius last year? Yeah, and and you know, that begs the question of what do uh, where does Oregon rank in that hierarchy now? You know, well, they got Bo Nix. Yeah. And yeah. they finished, they finished 15th in the AP. Uh-huh. Um, like you said, they returned Bo Nix. They've got some really intriguing um, uh, names that, that played well last year that they're bringing back this year. And uh, uh, what's their head coach's name? Uh Dan Lanning. Dan Is that Lanning. Right? Yeah. Okay. So we were skeptical of him coming in because he's a defensive head coach. He came from Georgia. And, but it seems like he hasn't really missed a beat with recruiting there. No. And, and this, you look this at. This is a big, like we said, this is a four star guy as a transfer portal guy. Like a lot of teams were after this kid. And they returned two running backs that ran for just under 2,000 yards combined. I mean, Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington are both back. Knicks ran for over 500 yards. So they they returned on the ground just around 2,500 rushing yards of offense and and 24 rushing touchdowns. Um, and then you look at, you know, their, their receivers. 
you know, they returned Troy Franklin, who was their top guy last year. Uh, they returned Chris Hudson, who was their, their second guy last year. And you wasn't know, so, Troy Franklin like a five-star receiver? I believe so. He was a yeah. four or five-star, depending on what site you looked at. Yeah, and he was big time, and he had a big year. Yeah, and he's he. We talked about him the other day, right? Because he's the guy that's like, uh, I don't think we talked about him yet, but he's he's certainly in that mix. When we talked about receivers on our Patreon show, like he's he's part of why we had receiver as the top group. And you look at it, um, and then they added a uh, a a nice transfer from Troy and Tez Johnson. Um, you know, again, this is a team that basically returns everybody. And yeah. and so they lost uh I'm trying to think. Well, I don't think they really lost Christian Gonzalez. That was DJ Johnson it. too, the yeah. defensive end, who was a third round pick. So that yeah, they lost their top corner. Another guy who transferred, Gonzalez, who transferred yeah. from, from Colorado. So the the kind of foundation is laid there that uh, you can transfer to this program and up your status, right? Right. I mean, you look at it; they got another transferred cornerback in Kyrie Jackson, who transferred in. Uh, well, he's been around the block, if 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 we can say <laughs> that here. He was with Bama, East Mississippi Community College, Fort Scott Community College. But I mean. You know, obviously he was with Bama originally, so he's a big time recruit. Right. And and uh and then they also have another one, Taishim Johnson, coming from Ole Miss. So like these are like it's not like they're URI, don't get me wrong, like this is like you said about Cornelius, like that was a that was a guy they fought and won. Yeah. To get in there. But they're they also need other top programs to get him. They're other, also get, other teams are looking at him. Yeah, they're also getting a lot of uh guys from big time programs who are just looking for a change of scenery. And I love that. I'll reiterate. I love this transfer portal. It's like a second recruiting season. We've seen there are guys we're not talking about right now because they're not draft eligible this year, but there are other guys who have gone to top teams from, from other very strong programs that we expect uh, big things from in the future. So this is really exciting we're going to run through now about, I think we got about eight more names. We're just going to run through real quick. Uh, we'll get more in depth as, as we get closer to the season, but we're, um, we'll get through these few names and then we'll, we'll try and get a hot take in, right? Yep. So the first we have uh, a guy that we've talked about, DJ Ugalele, going from Clemson to Oregon State. This is going to be a really intriguing one to watch how this unfolds uh, here because he was the top quarterback in his class. Yeah, he was the top guy, and then Oregon State has become a team. They finished seventeenth in the AP poll, ten and three, um, and I mean, without being rude, you can say quarterback was an issue for them. So to get DJU, it's going to give him a chance, right, to be a guy uh, yeah. that takes the next step. Dante Cephas. But I, I will say this real quick about Oregon State: their former quarterback uh, Tristan Jebia is actually he was a grad transfer he went to ohio state so it's not like there's like people think highly of the oregon state program the direction it's headed in uh tristan jebbia is going to be the like the third quarterback at ohio state this year but um the fact that he goes from he and he was a starter a couple of years ago before he got hurt um it, people are thinking highly of this program so dju it's uh it's a step down for him 
but he has a chance to rebuild his reputation because it's it's taken a hit since he was that top recruit. Dante Cephas goes from uh, Kent State to Penn State. Again, we love to see these kind of moves up. Um, and, and not to say that what, D, like you said, DJU did, as long as you stay in, in these, at least within the realm, right? You, you, we're okay. It's not a yeah, bad thing. Yeah, I mean, he's power five to power five, right? But yeah. this is cool because Cephas is a pr- really productive guy at a program that's uh, the, at a MAC program that hasn't been that great. But he's been really good, and now he's going to Penn State, where we saw Mitchell Tinsley last year go from Western Kentucky to Penn State and put up a good season and and give himself a maybe a better chance at catching on with a pro team. So I think Cephas is even a better player than Tinsley from what I've seen. So I like this move. And they lost Parker Washington too. So there's an opening, a strong opening for Cephas to be a really productive guy at Penn State. Allie Jennings going from uh, Old Dominion to Virginia Tech. Well, from West Virginia to Old Dominion to Virginia Tech. And he's, I'm a, he's consistent. He's staying in the Virginias. <laughs> I'm just a little surprised he's going to Va Tech over Old Dominion, who, quite frankly, you know, I know that they had a bad season last year, but he put up good numbers he had a night like is is the thought that virginia tech will just be better than what they have been lately yeah and i think the idea is you're you're going to face better cornerbacks you know you're you're proving your your wares right um odu is uh, they played in the sun belt is that right yes okay and so now he's going to play in the ACC. So it's it, he's going back to playing in a Power Five conference, like you said. Uh, he started at West Virginia. Um, I just, I mean, Virginia Tech is, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, like you said, you're going up in in skill, but right. Their quarterback is so bad, and I don't know if it's going to be Grant Wells again this year. I'm not, you know, I, I honestly, I don't follow close enough. And and Wells was a guy who was thought of pretty highly when he was at Marshall before he came there. So maybe they're looking at improvement there. But um, and it is he's listed as their starter still. So okay, yeah. So this is a it's it's an opportunity. It's a risk. This is more of a risk than this some is, of the other transfers we saw. It really is. Uh, Jaheim Bell, tight end. It's not like Jennings was playing with great quarterbacks at ODU, though. No, but they had, I mean, they got Koontz drafted, right? Right. And so that's one more weapon than Virginia Tech. round, though, I think. Then, well, that's one more than Virginia Tech got drafted. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, Jaheim Bell goes from... Uh, USC, South Carolina, to other USC, yeah, to Florida State, another another Florida uh, State guy, yeah, and he's had a a couple really, um, you know, just kind of interesting seasons. I they use him to run the ball a little bit. They they had to play him at running back at South Carolina last year because they had injuries at running back. So he's kind of like that. uh, Remember Jalen Samuels coming out of NC State a few yeah. years ago? So he's like this hybrid fullback, H-back guy. He's definitely smaller than your usual tight end, but he's, he's bigger than Samuels. But um, 
it's an interesting fit. Like you said, they've got Jordan Travis coming back at FSU. I think Jaheim Bell's going to have a lot more opportunities. Uh, Zachariah Franklin goes from UTSA to Ole Miss. This is a move I absolutely love because we talked love about Fr- Franklin a couple times last year. He's been um, super productive at UTSA. With They have a good quarterback there, Frank Harris. But now he gets to go to Lane Kiffin's offense. This is a huge move. Yeah, and he's averaged over uh, 1,000 yards a season, and he's averaged 13 touchdowns a season in the last two years. So That's awesome. Yeah, I he's going to be – this is I a good think, move for him. I think we'll see similar production in terms of yardage. I think he'll take a step back in touchdowns. Yeah, they've got to <laughs> spread the ball more at Ole Miss. Uh, C.J. Dupree. Uh, One of my favorites. Uh, goes from Maryland to Alabama. Yeah. That's uh, quite the move up as we discussed and, and these Dupree things. was like one of those other guys we talked about that, you know, Ohio State was looking at him. Um, he gets, he stays, he goes up from Maryland, which is, they've done a good job recruiting there. They've gotten some really good recruits there. But now he's at Bama, and we've seen how Bama can uh, juice a tight end in terms of draft status. Uh, their last guy, Cameron Lotu, went in the third round. And I think Dupree's a better player than Latu in terms of prospects. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, a soft-throwing lefty, <laughs> yep. goes from Virginia, where he put up absolutely massive numbers in 2021 to being awful in 2022. And I do mean awful. Uh, now he's at NC State. Um this is a really interesting move because I don't know if it does anything for him in terms of draft, but it seems like a petty enough move that I applaud it. It's a change of scenery, and uh, Armstrong was – he's a player who's definitely on the senior bowl radar too. Um, he's one of these – a lot of these quarterbacks we're talking about tonight and throughout the summer, you know, these guys are um, – 24 going to be 24 year old rookies and things like that uh when seth says awful he means he threw he completed 54 percent 54.7 percent with seven touchdowns 12 picks last year um just a down year overall for the program but he's a mobile guy like seth said a soft throwing lefty he doesn't have a big arm but he's on jim Nagy's radar which is enough to make him noteworthy for uh, us to talk about in the summer because, um, you know, Nagy takes a lot of his cues from NFL scouts and people are looking at that, that uh, season a couple of years ago when Armstrong threw 31 touchdowns, 10 picks and averaged uh, nine yards per attempt. And he also rushed for nine touchdowns. So he's a player, he's got, he's shown some mobility and he's what the uh, scouts would call a gamer. He's a gritty lunch pail guy. But again, much like many of these other guys, kind of undersized. Six, they list him at 6'2", 215, I think. He's probably a little smaller than that. But um, a lot of these quarterbacks we're talking about tonight and in other shows are just kind of backup potential. Finally, the last guy, a guy that I'm really intrigued to see how he does. In this I like group this from, guy. 
from Ball State to UCLA, Carson Steele. What a great uh, he, name. Yeah, he ran for over 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns last year. Also pitched in 29 receptions. Uh, so I'm just intrigued how he gets out of the MAC and, and what he looks like in the Pac-12. We saw what Zach Charbonnet did in that offense. I'm not going to say he's going to repeat that type of success, but similarly built, listed 6'1", 215. So we'll see how he runs in Chip Kelly's you know spread attack. He looks like a pretty fast guy too. And, um, you know, it's always fun to see these white running backs and how they do. And um, take, he had a huge, huge season last year. Uh, so it's going to be, we'll get to see how he does in a, on a bigger stage in the Pac-12, soon to be Big Ten team at UCLA. Chip Kelly has, you know, that program humming. You know, they're, they're doing really well. They've been recruiting really well. It's a fun team to watch. And uh, Carson Steele, he's one of these guys. He's got like flowing blonde locks coming out of his helmet. He's one of those fun guys to watch. And he's just a tough, tough kid. So I'm excited to see how he does. And we don't even know. They've been recruiting so well. We don't even know. Is he going to be the top back? Is he going to be a tandem? They they usually, you know, UCLA has, has had tandem backfields. So we'll, we'll probably see a step down in production for Steele. But – we had to talk about a guy named Carson Steele, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, hot take, and I, the reason this is a hot take because it ignores two things. Uh, but I will say that I, I, the sentiment isn't bad. Uh, we talked about Keaton Slovis, the transfer to BYU. Uh, this take says if, big if, Keaton Slovis gets drafted next year, I would argue that Aaron Roderick would have the best recruiting pitch resume to any prospective high school transfer quarterbacks. Last three starting QBs drafted, second overall pick, resurrect the career of a transfer, obviously Slovis. And then the big one for this situation is that two of those guys were local three-star or less guys. So I think that should have been the first point <laughs> that if you're saying like, hey, if you're a three-star or less guy, you might want to look at BYU as a potential uh, place to go because you have a guy that's like, what, 400, 500 miles away in, in L.A. who's got... I don't know, nine Heisman winners in the last six years <laughs> or whatever it is. And then you go out to the Midwest with Ohio state that's had uh, three quarterbacks drafted um, early. <laughs> and so yeah, I just first round guys there. I, yeah. I just, I just like, I'm, I get what the sentiment is that he's done a lot with little I, and mm -hmm. I get that point of it, but I think that's what the focus should have been on. Not the like, Oh, quarterback should want to play there because it's like, if, if you're a quarterback, the first two places on your list is USC and, and Ohio state and probably. Like, and then after that, it's or Bama, it, right? Yeah. And, and that's what I would say. You throw in Bama in there and things like that, but or like, Clemson, Clemson yeah. too. And I, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's a hot take for sure. Because um, yeah, your selling point should be like, we'll turn you from a three-star into a draft pick, right? That And um, that's a huge selling point. It is. I mean, that's a mass. It's like, legit. He's not, he's doing, this is what I'll say. He's doing more with less in quotation marks in terms of 
the star process, you know, Lincoln Riley and Ryan day getting five-star recruits drafted isn't as, isn't as impressive as getting, you know, Jaron hall into a draftable prospect. However, that's not, if you're a good enough quarterback to go to Ohio state or USC, you should go to Ohio state or USC. Right. Yeah. They're turning four and five star prospects into first round picks. Right. Not, okay, not, not two just in, draftable. Right. right not first two first round picks. Two star guys into into draftable guys. Right. So that's that's how I would have uh tried to sell this if I am uh this gentleman. I'm not gonna mention <laughs> him because he's only got like three hundred followers. But it, I, I it, it's like an Iowa situation, right? Um where you, you're like we'll we'll turn a three star into a a potential draft pick. And, you know, I'm speaking uh, specifically as quarterbacks because I was we've seen Iowa quarterbacks get drafted and not be top end recruits. But, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the selling point I would use. It's that don't try and don't try and uh, blow smoke and say this guy is uh, recruiting on the level of some of these top programs. And obviously they don't have the fuel for it. But what I'll say is my my second recruiting point for. BYU would be look how beautiful Provo is and our stadium is fantastic. Like it it's a beautiful place to play. Exactly. Uh anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm just uh glad we're back on the iTunes this week. So uh for all of you that listen, thanks for joining us. Uh again, I encourage you to subscribe um, because we we always have content pumping out on the Patreon site and it'll be kind of sporadic on iTunes throughout the summer because you know, at least until we ramp up back in, you know, toward August, late July, August, when we really get uh, ramped up for the college football season. But we'll do our normal uh, conference previews and things like that. And um, even if you don't want to subscribe, we just appreciate that you listen to us talk about football. Yep. Thanks for listening, as always. And make sure you check out the Patreon. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>